Hey all, welcome to the Software Intelligence Podcast. My name is Dave Anderson. I'm the host of this show and today I'm super excited to be joined by another David, David Priestley, the Chief Digital Officer of Insurance Brand Vitality, who are differentiating their go-to-market with software. David, welcome to the podcast. Oh uh, yeah, thanks. Nice to see you. Nice to be here. Thank you very much. How's your year been so far? Oof. <laughs> How's anyone's year been? Well, it's a deep breath, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, no. This isn't this isn't really what we this isn't what we wanted, was it? Like London's one of my most favourite city, and and you're based down Port Portsmouth, Port, yeah, Brighton Way, the, down near a beach. Yeah, that's right. That part of the world down near um, a place called Chichester on the south coast. So yeah, away from all the uh, the stress of the city, and um, yeah, for a lockdown, it's. Uh, it's not been a bad place to be, to be honest. It's been all right. We've been out and about, and it's been uh, it's been nice. Oh, I asked you before, actually. You got a lot of books in the background there. Have you read them all? <laughs> I wouldn't say all of them. You'll notice. Well, you probably can't see, but very few of them are work related. So they're mostly for for like just enjoyment. And yeah, probably most of them. Yeah. So let's talk about work. You're a chief digital officer of a leading insurance company in Vitality. You guys have got a really unique value proposition, one that I uh, really like as a, someone who's really into fitness. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at Vitality and how Vitality is a little different? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've been the chief digital officer there for the last few years. I've actually been at Vitality for over 15 years. I think I was employee number three or four or something like that. So I joined when it was- You didn't have to tell everyone that. (laughs) Back in the day when we, a little project somewhere up in Holborn we were. So so yeah, I've been there from from the start. And um, yeah, I mean, the the kind of reason I joined is, is, you know, kind of what you're referencing there, Dave. I mean, it's, um, I think we have a proposition that's unique in the insurance world. You know, we, we set out to make people healthier. That's what we do, and um, you know, I think that really sets us apart. And uh, I mean, what we try and do is is take that whole kind of purpose of making people healthier, and then combine it in a really smart way with insurance products to create that uh, what we call a shared value model. But it's you know, in, in simple terms, it's a kind of win-win for the for the customer as well as for us and, and the kind of shareholder. You know, so if we can if we can improve the health of our members. Um, then obviously that that's good for them. Um, it creates insurance margin and strong insurance fundamentals. So it, it generates good retention. It generates improvement in the kind of risk margin. And we can reinvest that back into the product. So we can kind of reinvest that extra margin back into more benefits or improve pricing for our members. And typically that reinvestment is into incentives to encourage them to do more healthy things. So it creates that kind of virtuous circle where we're kind of constantly reinvesting in the health of our members. If they get healthy and stay healthy, we can then keep keep that cycle going. And, and look, the more people we cover, um, there's a benefit to society as well if we can just play our part in keeping people healthier across, you know, across society at large. So forgive me if I uh, am offending you in any way, but insurance is probably about as exciting as IT at times, um, and particularly for a consumer. Um, but what you guys have actually done, and maybe for the listener so they understand, effectively what you've been able to do is if I go and exercise, so I have my Garmin now, and I sync up my Garmin app to the Vitality app, 
I get some sort of reward points for doing it and then you guys give me benefits in the end. So basically encouraging me to exercise and then I'm getting something in return other than what I do now, which is exercise and just feel good. I'm actually getting some kind of financial benefit as well. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, that's it. It's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of just based on, you know, behavioral economics. And, you know, if we can, you know, typically people, the reason people don't do as much kind of healthy stuff as they should is because the benefits are kind of distant. You know, it's kind of, you don't get yep. those benefits immediately. And, and the way we work as humans is we want that instant gratification. And, you know, that's why you see programs which rely on kind of giving people points and incentives, because that is what drives behavior. We, we've just applied that kind of behavioral model into a wellness kind of um, arena. So exactly as you say, you know, if, you, if you've got a, a Garmin device or an Apple Watch, whatever it may be, just connect to Vitality, nice and simple. All of your physical activity, workouts, walking, steps, whatever it may be, that just flows through in the background to Vitality. We'll then attribute some Vitality points. Points turn into, uh, points unlock the incentives. So you, maybe if you want to get a free coffee or if you're aiming to get free movie tickets, um, or you're just trying to reduce the kind of um, what one of the kind of strongest benefits we have is we allow people to kind of earn an Apple Watch for free. So, oh, wow. you know, people can sign up, take out an Apple Watch. And then the, the kind of deal is that you would pay that back over a two year period. But if you maintain physical activity, you don't have to make your payments. We'll waive the payments wow. and we'll pay for it. So those are the kind of things that we do to drive people. Just, just that habitual kind of day in, day out, week in, week out, physical activity, which, you know, which is good for everybody. I hope you don't have one of those scenarios where it's like you promised me an Apple Watch and I'm paying it off and a year later I haven't done all the exercise and you come knocking on the door and go, can we please have the watch back, Mr. Anderson? Um, no, well, that's where, but, that's where the experience kicks in, Dave. I mean, that's where the, the, the kind of digital experience that we're working on is so, so important because yeah. you've got to have that kind of, you know, you've got to have that kind of regular um interaction with members so they know exactly where they are with the program and you can keep encouraging them on a day-by-day basis yeah let's hit on that because you, you get the, i go for a run sometimes and i try and sync up my watch to my headphones to my app and and none of it works you guys are taking an extra step and going well we need now actually need to make a connection from whatever didn't work in the first time but to record the run from garmin or from apple or from fitbit or whatever through to the vitality app is that difficult yeah it's it's pretty difficult yeah i think uh, particularly you know you kind of alluded to it there, Dave, the, the kind of consumer expectation of that experience is super high, right? People expect this stuff to be happening in an instant. Um, I think most of the, the kind of device and, and kind of wearable manufacturers have got it pretty, pretty well down now. I mean, there's some inconsistency there, but it's pretty good. Um, and yeah, we, we've had to create a, a global platform, which, um, you know, kind of coordinates inputs from multiple different device partners through a platform into our back-end system. So pretty complex stuff, but, um, you know, if we're going to be able to kind of, you know, recognize physical activity and, and reward people with incentives, we have to be able to do that as close to real time as possible. So it's a really critical part of our proposition and something we keep, you know, we keep sort of focused on and working on all the time. Yeah, and we often talk about users being frustrated when they don't get the digital experiences that they expect. When it's something like 
I've actually gone for a run and I want to get rewarded for these points that I've done. The ink, it just increases your expectation or your frustration if it doesn't work. Is that what you yeah. see? Yeah, because you've put all that effort in. You know, we're promising, particularly when you put a, an incentive on top of it, Dave, right? So not only do you want to see some recognition for the effort that you've just put in, but we've promised that member that if they get their 12 points in the week, they can unlock their free coffee. So if that doesn't happen straight away, the, the frustration just builds even more. So, yeah, I mean, it puts a huge amount of emphasis on, on that digital experience and all the technology that sits behind it. Um, and, you know, something that, um, you know, typically insurance companies don't really get involved in. So, you know, we, we really have to set the bar for ourselves at the, in terms of the customer experience at the same level of, you know, kind of more digital native businesses like, a, you know, like yep. a Strava or a Garmin rather than, you know, a, a level with other insurance companies. I mean, we don't compare ourselves to insurance companies because the, typically they don't operate at that kind of level with customer experience. So it's, it's a, yeah, he, I couldn't kind of overstate the importance of that in our proposition. It's critical. Well, every company is a software company and everyone's comparing themselves to the the next best experience. And you just said Garmin, you said Strava. These are things that we use all the time and therefore we expect the insurance company to act the same. Now, when I first heard this story, I was at a Perform London or a Dynatrace Go London event back uh, maybe a year and a half ago when we were allowed to travel back. It feels like many, many years ago. And I was sitting in the audience and um, two of your uh, staff are on stage and they were talking about how they're working with Dynatrace. And I saw like Garmin and Fitbit and Nike and Apple and all these logos. And I go, wow, this is, this is interesting. And then they talked about the sync through to the Vitality app. And then they talked about how when there was a failed transaction or a failed experience, they were leveraging the Dynatrace AI to detect that there was a failed transaction and then automate a customer response. And I went, you're kidding me. And I turned around and looked at Andy Grabner, a, a colleague of mine, and we've been talking about proactive customer support for a long time. And that was the aha moment for me that I just went, oh my God, this company is doing it. It's amazing. What a brand experience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a huge, huge initiative for us. It actually started for us with, uh, we have a kind of a, a global actuarial conference every year and a group of these clever guys is actually came up with this this concept of what they call proactive servicing and they kind of worked with our kind of it ops team to to put the solution together but yeah in a nutshell i mean you kind of described it dave i mean obviously we, we talked about the importance of that experience and you know with all the kind of the best will in the world it will fail from time to time even you know it might be us it might be the partner whatever it may be yep um, so the key is to get ahead of that failure with the customer and get to them before that turns into a, a kind of frustration that has a knock-on effect on, on, you know, on their life. So exactly as you say, what we do is we've identified, I think, something like eight different customer journeys where the, the, kind of, the impact of failure can be significant on the customer. And we use the, the kind of Dynatrace setup in to, to identify where there's a failure point in the back end. We can then trigger a, 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 like, send an automated trigger through to two places, either if it's a, if there's a kind of pattern problem in the services, we can actually automate a script and, and fix. Um, and we use the kind of AI um, features for that, or we can generate a trigger into our customer servicing function so that they can make an outbound contact to that customer. They'll know the customer, 
They'll know exactly what point the failure happened and they'll be able to pick up the phone and say, look, we understand you might have experienced a, an issue here. Is there anything we can do to help? And it has been transformative for us in our customer experience. It's really made a huge difference. Yeah, I, mean, so I can give you a turning... couple of stats. Yeah, go on. Give me some stats. I was going to go on because yeah. basically to summarize for people so they know, you're turning what potentially is a failed transaction, you're leveraging an AI to then proactively send the vouchers or reach out to a customer using um, using the AI and using the automation and doing it almost immediately before a customer can have a bad experience. Like, first of all, that's amazing. And I was going to ask, what difference has it made? But but if you've got something to share, then please. Yeah, I mean... I think, look, as that's over those eight journeys, um, I think we're, we're kind of hitting something like three to 4,000 individual members every month. So in, and just to give you some context, we've got around about one and a half million members in the UK. So, um, you know, obviously we don't want wow. a lot of failure points. So so yep. actually three to three and a half thousand is, is quite a significant proportion of our kind of um, our potential kind of failure points over that that audience. So we're kind of touching quite a few... Um, members and a significant proportion of the total failures will be picked up in these processes now. And what what we do is we kind of we've we've done a whole load of analysis to understand the impact that that's had on our lapse rates. I mean, ultimately, the kind of truest measure of value for us is do our customers renew their policies, right? So, what we've found is that for those customers where we've um, proactively intervened, as in the way we've talked about the lapse rate for those customers is 65% less than it would be for a customer that didn't have that intervention. So across you know, that, that kind of audience of members, that's, that's huge for us. And these are typically high value customers you know, who are very much engaged in our proposition, probably going to buy multiple products from us. So being able to do that, that kind of level of reduction in lapse rates is kind of unprecedented in any other initiative that we've had. So it's, it's been huge for us. And where, where did the initiative, you said the initiative came from a, some idea, some tech conference, some get gathering of like people, like a hackathon. Is, it, is that where you came up with that? To have such major financial impact for something, it, it must have been a pretty special sort of, you know, idea that came through. Yeah, I mean, it, we, have, we have every year, I mean, obviously not this year because of, because of the kind of circumstances, but every year we have a global actuarial conference, which is, so we're part of the discovery group globally with the kind of UK business and discovery bring together the kind of actuarial teams from all over the world and, and basically invite them to come up with ideas that are going to, you know, potentially transform the business or make a big impact on the business. And this was one of the winning ideas from, from a couple of years ago. So Certainly was a winner. From, yeah, team from the UK put it together, went over to South Africa, pitched to the kind of global actuarial audience. They kind of, I, I can't remember whether they won or they're in the top three, came back to the UK and, and we implemented it and it's just been huge for us. What has it done for you guys? So you've talked about customer retention as a result. If you talk about business value now, you have an AI, you're also leveraging other machine learning, I understand. But what does that mean for your team? What are they able to do differently in the way that they work now? Yeah, I think I think I mean a number of different things, particularly in the the kind of partnership we've got with with Dynatrace. But um, in, in the proactive servicing space, it it's been you know able to or the impact it's had there is to significantly reduce the inbound contact into our telephony teams and shift that so we have more of an outbound model, which we can obviously then control. So you can control the the activity a lot more and get efficiency in the operation, as well as obviously the, the benefits in terms of the member experience that we talked about. I think also 
I touched on it earlier, but we're using the AI to trigger um, automated scripts and fixes where we see kind of um, deviations from the patterns in the, the kind of underlying services. So that's made a, a big difference to us where we might have a, an outage or a problem that might take two or three days to get to the bottom of and fix. You know, we've got a number now where we can just run run it through the process and it's it's fixed within hours without any of the dev teams having to get involved. So, you know, that speeds up the resolution, but also frees up our kind of engineering resources to focus on the stuff that we want them to focus on. There's a, and there's a number of things like that where you guys have played a key role for us. You're way ahead. You're way ahead. If you think about like we talk about what is the value of Dynatrace and you go automating cloud, improving, you know, getting to the root cause and then it's like continuous optimization is next. But proactive customer support was always this, you know, there's either auto remediation where the systems fix themselves or there's proactive customer support. And you guys are already ahead on the proactive customer support. What's next? um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I think... um, the, the kind of, I mean, the, the focus for us is all about kind of innovation with the proposition and the customer experience. I mean, there's, the guys are always looking for different kind of angles and opportunities. I mean, you know, we talked about the, the kind of lockdown. I mean, lockdown created a massive challenge for our business, you know, because a lot of these kind of um, partners and services that we integrate with were just not available. So gyms, cinemas, you know, the kind of partners that we have just suddenly became unavailable. So one of the one of the things we we kind of worked with you guys on was looking at ways in which we could accelerate our speed to market for partner integration um and you know we did a number of things where we kind of leveraged some of the uh, the dynatrace technology to reduce the time it took us to introduce new partners from typically 3 to 4 months down to 3 weeks so when lockdown wow. hit we were actually able to spin up and integrate three or four new partners into our ecosystem and we, we were able to do that because we could leverage some of the technology that that was in place with Dynatrace. And so I think, I don't think we've got anything sort of specific that we're kind of focused on, although I think we want to kind of build out some of the, the proactive servicing and, and, and AI capabilities a bit more. But, um, you know, we definitely want to kind of look at how we can expand on that, um, that kind of acceleration in the speed to market and, and kind of use some of the, some of the technology to help us there. Well, David, it's such a great story. I mean, the fact that even just sharing that, I was going to ask you the question about how did COVID impact you? And it sounds like what it did for you has actually helped you accelerate and go faster. You've been able to, you just mentioned months to onboard partners. And and I think when we discussed it before, you're talking partners like Peloton and these sort of brands that you're onboarding and then bring more value. So from three months down to weeks to integrate yeah. new partners, it, it must be pretty exciting to be in your position at the moment and to uh, to work with such partners. Yeah, I mean, hugely exciting. It's a great, it's a great business. Um, very dynamic. Lots of stuff going on, and you know, great, really exciting from that perspective. Also, you know, challenging. It sort of moves at a fast pace, and um, so it's there's always some some new challenges on the table. But yeah, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're excited about the future for the business and. Um, you know, hopefully as, as the kind of restrictions ease, you know, both here in the UK and globally, we can we can continue to do some really exciting stuff in the coming months. When this thing's over and I can get out of Prison Island, which is Australia, I'd love to come down and have a beer with you. No worries. My pleasure. Yeah, it'd be great to catch up. Thanks, David. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.